Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Good morning, and you're very welcome to this morning's Signpost webinar. My name is Pat Murphy, Head of Environment Knowledge Transfer with, with Chagask, and I'm joined this morning by uh, Fran Igo, uh, who's Regional Coordinator with LawPro, uh, Noel Meehan, head of, of uh, the ASAP programme, and Sean Rorty. Sean, you'll be helping us with the questions this morning. Good morning well, to Pat, you all. Yes. I suppose about two years ago, uh, the ASAP programme had been up and running for a couple of years, and uh, we were having a, a problem in a specific area in that we were asking farmers to take on measures to improve water quality, but we had no funding to, to support that. And we approached our two parent departments, Department of Housing, uh, Local Government and, and uh, Heritage, and the Department of Agriculture to see was there any possibility of, of getting funding to support the measures that we were asking farmers to take on board. I'm delighted that two years down the line, uh, a funding mechanism under an EIP has been uh, uh, put in place. And we're going to describe that to you this morning. Fran, you're very welcome. You were the one who have, has put a lot of the work into designing, planning, tendering for, and hopefully now implementing uh, this EIP initiative. Thank, thank you, Pat. And um, hello, everybody. Um, first of all, Pat, I would love to take credit for all of this work, but I can't. I have to acknowledge all everybody who's helped out, both from Chagas, from Dairy Industry Ireland, of course, my colleagues in, in Law Pro as well. And, and of course, um, the farmers who have helped us uh, inform this process. Okay, so um, again, hello everybody. Um, my name is Fran Igo. I work with the Local Authority Waters Programme, and we're a shared service for local authorities um, to try and help Ireland meet its objectives under the Water Framework Directive. So in other words, um, to try and promote water quality um, for, the, for as a public good. We work with a lot of different agencies, and of course, we work with uh, colleagues in the agricultural sector as well. And, and this is this uh, presentation is, is about that piece which Pat has introduced. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to talk about um, how we came about to develop the, uh, the water EIP, what's involved. Um, and then Noel Meehan from Chagas will, 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 will uh, follow with a more detail around the measures itself. So the title there is Combining Targeted Measures and the European Innovation Partnership Funding to Deliver Water Improvement. For the public good and this is very important there's a purpose to this why we're we doing this it is about uh, restoring and protecting water quality for everybody in ireland and why is that important well we know from uh, the international um, um, experience is that ireland is seen as being a very sustainable country in terms of what we produce it's important that we maintain our sustainability credentials and water quality very much underpins that. And this is a given, uh, this is something that we need, we need to do. Um, but there's lots of other um, dependencies as well on good and clean water quality, including the shellfish industry. These often support um, marginal communities where there won't be much other opportunities in terms of uh, employment. And the feedback we're getting from the, the marine sector is that they have concerns around water quality. So it's important that our aquaculture and our inshore fisheries do have clean water. Recreation, we know that um, uh, clean water, you know, su uh, sustains a, a better quality of, of environment from an aesthetic point of view. And this has become very important um, through the COVID-19 experience. You know, people are now turning towards nature to get it. It's very important for mental health and, and, and for well-being. 
And of course, if we want to develop um, uh, our tourism industry, you know, water quality underpins that. The quality of our, our blue waves, for example, are dependent on good and clean water quality. And in addition to this, even from the point of, of industry, um, standard industries, say, for example, even for the IT sector, they need clean, raw water coming to their uh, their plants uh, for cooling, for example. So it's important that we do maintain water quality from that point of view. So there's a whole range of reasons that we should be looking after water quality. And we know from the public consultations that we've done on the river basin management plans that the public uh, are looking for this um, and the public appreciate water through different um, uh, lenses. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's restoring and protecting what we have as a precious resource. And we're very fortunate in the west of, of Europe that we have some of the best water resources um, in the European area. And then finally, uh, European designations, we have some really important uh, uh, species of interest, wildlife species of interest, um, everything from salmon to freshwater pearl mussels, um, sea lamprey there you can see, and, and, and crayfish, all of them need uh, clean water. And then other animals that might feed on them, such as otters, for example, again, they're protected. And also they're um, required clean. Um, so they, the whole food chain, in other words, requires clean water. And this is uh, very much part of our culture. You know, the salmon of the story, the salmon of knowledge, Fima Cool, Cuchulain, all these stories, you know, again, go back and they, you know, show that our, our history, our cultural history is intertwined with clean water. So that's just kind of sets the, the background. I think it's important that we understand the why, why it's important. And then if we look at the, um, uh, you know, the actual situation today, we can see that there's a range of, of uh, this, uh, sectors impacting on water quality, a range of pressures. DPA have done a huge amount of work here. They have a fantastic uh, network of monitoring sites, some of the best in the world. The data is really good. It's, it's, um, it follows international best practice in terms of standards. And from that data, it informs us in terms of managing water quality from forestry, urban development, et cetera, including agriculture. We can see from the river-based management plan that between the last two cycles, uh, the current and the previous one, that water quality is, um, agriculture is the biggest pressure um, and also it's going in the wrong direction. So it's important that we try and address that. A basic consideration with regards to managing uh, risk from uh, agricultural enterprises, irrespective of the type, is, you know, there's, the way we look at it is there's three main areas to be focusing on. One is obviously the land suitability, you know, the, the local weather patterns, et cetera. The second one is to ensure that people actually comply with the mandatory measures that are there in terms of the, the directives and the gap regulations, et cetera, that everybody complies. Because if you have even a single um, operator who's not compliant, if, if the risk is high, that can be the equivalent of a, of a wastewater treatment plant going wrong. So it's important that we have good compliance. And then thirdly, often we have leaky situations. So in addition to the, um, let's say, mandatory um, measures, there may be a need to put in, uh, I suppose, uh, measures to intercept that leakiness. So, for example, soil water that might run off land after um, spreading of slurry and there's a rain, you know, a, a sudden cloudburst to pick up those situations, which are not mandatory, but it's important that we deal with them in terms of a best practice from a water stewardship point of view. And that's really what this is about. We're looking at these non-mandatory supplementary measures, which complement and, and help farmers, um, you know, ensure that their enterprise is um as risk-proof as possible in terms of managing uh, the water quality risk um, from, from their farm. And this then, uh, of course, underpins the, the, the agricultural sustainability support and advisory program that Pat talked about in terms of that's looking at that whole area, breaking the pathways, uh, putting in measures to intercept um, you know, these kind of um, surface, surface uh, water uh, runoffs and where we can make gains in terms of nitrate use efficiency as well. The background to this was that, you know, after the second cycle of the river-based management plan, it was, sorry, preparing for the second cycle of the river-based management plan, 
it was um, you know, identified that these supplementary measures or these additional measures would be necessary. And that's when the ASAP programme was set up by the Department of Agriculture uh, with the housing and the dairy sector um, collaborating with Chagas as well. So um, the types of measures we're talking about would be uh, simple stuff like uh, riparian buffers, sediment traps in the right place, intercepting those pathways, and then obviously measures to deal with, say, uh, pesticide loss or, or nitrates as well. So, you know, a range of measures across the board. But the big challenge, as Pat said, was that, you know, we didn't have funding uh, to support farmers who, you know, want to put in measures. But, for example, that measure might be expensive. Uh, let's say if a wetland, for example, the cost involved might be prohibitive. And that was a feedback that the asset advisors were getting on the ground. So, so it's very welcome that we have this um, EIP now coming down the tracks. Uh, this is put together by um, the Department of Agriculture um, in partnership with the Department of Housing. It's a European uh, uh, funded um, process. It's quite a, a competitive and an owner's process. Um, and you can see there the, the scale of it, with 50 million going towards farmers. And then the Department of Housing has put up match funding to help with the administration of it. We in Law Pro put together an application in partnership with Chagas and Dairy Industry, Industry Ireland because we felt it was important uh, for us to get into the space and support um, everybody in this area. And that's what we've done. So, but there was a lot of work behind the scenes to try and get us to that point. Um, it is a partnership between the, tr the three partners, as I mentioned, but also we're supported by a range of other partners as well in terms of trying to deliver this. There's lots of innovations that have been built into it, including a, a rainwater management plan, et cetera, I'll explain in a minute. And the ambition is very high uh, for 15,000 farmers ideally to get into the scheme. We will be reliant on the ASAP program to help us, but also to be a project team and also community um, advisors as well. We will be following the catchment science developed by the EPA and colleagues in the catchment science um, section of, of, of Law Pro, and of course, working with the department. Um, in the round, this is what it looks like. It's a very busy slide, um, but there's a lot going on because there's a lot of moving parts in it. There will be an operational team, a project team. We'll have the uh, a lot of work there on the GIS, the tracking, the mapping, all that stuff will have to be done in terms of the measures. Working then with the communities, there'll be um, community enablers uh, also in place on the ground working with the industries and not just dairy, but also uh, beef industry and um, forestry as well, and a, a good focus on tillage as well. So for the first time, we'll be really uh, working in this area and collaborating with the co-ops, including uh, a dairy gold, looking at the, the, the sustainability schemes that they're developing, developing to uh, provide bonuses uh, for, uh, for, for their milk suppliers. This is all an exciting area and we're delighted to be part of this. And the whole point of this is to develop learnings and then those learnings feed into policy. So we have a joined up approach to, to, to all this. We, will, we are building on the learnings from the Chagas programs, such as the uh, DPA funded um, um, Smart Buffer Zone project, the Watermark, et cetera, and working in collaboration with the, AS, the Agriculture Catchments program as well, the ACP program. So this is very much a joined up thing. And also we'll have a big uh, research element feeding into that as well. But we're very clear on this. The 50 million coming from Europe, that's going to the farmers. We designed it that way and that's the way we want it. Everything else is, is we're, we're trying to look after that from the point of view of either Department of Housing funding or bringing in and being smart about how we fund the research uh, using existing uh, funding programs and collaborating with everybody to do that. The, there's a lot of work has been done already to inform this. The ASAP uh, advisors have been out. You can see the, the, the table there you know, in front of you. This is the feedback uh, from the, the work that they've done in terms of you know, what are the issues that, that need to be addressed, the whole is there. So this has informed the process, and Noel will go through this in more detail. In terms of the supports, then we have the, as I said, we'll have the advisory program, um, and also the project will take on some advisors, and we'll have those community animators as well. But we'll be building in with partnerships with other areas as well. 
one of the key innovations is what we call a rainwater management plan. So basically following the rainwater from the sky right through, down through the farm onto the receptor, the, the lake, the river, whatever it is. This is um, based on you know some of the work that we've been doing in the urban side of things and, and, and forestry. And it's very simple. It helps um, us visualize what's happening with the distressor, let's say, if it's phosphate, nitrate, sediment, because water is a vector. Water is going to carry it. And, and what if a lack of water, you've got a drought, it still waters the issue. So the rainwater management plan, the idea is to walk to work off the EPA maps and then uh, work walk the, the land with the farmer at, who will know their land best in terms of you know what what happens during a heavy rainfall event and then pick up the areas um, that need to be addressed and to intercept those pathways. If it's a nitrate issue, then a nitrate vulnerable uh, plan will be put together. Um, and similar to pasture base. And the idea is then to work to calculate so that will save the farmer money, um, but also in terms of, of, of reducing nitrous loss that will be surplus. A simple example of how the process would work is um, here's an example of a farm here. You know, the, the rain is falling on the obviously on the, the farm itself, but also land up slope of the farm causing problems during heavy weather events. Um, so the idea is to figure out, OK, where is the rainwater want to go and then put in our measures to either deflect that water if it's clean water or, or deal with it in terms of interception measures to filter out pollutants if necessary and do all that with the farmer. In this case, the example, simple example, we to put a bunch to divert the water coming off the upslope area away from the farm, maybe cover the, the, the slurry round tower there. That payment would, would be covered maybe through TAM. So we'd be trying to pick on and identify other funding schemes as well to, to plug in so we can maximise the benefit of the project. And then other risk areas then, um, you know, bond them off, for example. Then moving down into the landscape onto the farm itself. Here's an example from North Cork. Um, worked through by Ian McConnery, who works with the Chagas programme. And you can see there uh, the issues that have been identified in terms of, of the risky areas that need to be addressed. These will be ranked, work with the farmer, and then some of those that are, let's say, of a biodiversity benefit or a, a climate benefit, we'll identify those two. And we're looking at trying to provide bonus payments to um, to reward, uh, I suppose, extra ex extra benefits as well. Because it's a multi multiple benefit project. It's not just about the asset is broader than that. It will bring in, you know, natural water retention uh, thinking as well and also climate thinking as well. And the rainwater management plan very much it speaks to that because we're following rain. If you think about cloud bursts, thinking about heavy weather events, we're, we're trying to pick up all that type of stuff as well. So manage these landscapes into the future as well. So once that is a, a work through, then the advisor then will bring it back to the project team. The, the, these issues will be, these uh I suppose measures will be ranked, and then the payment will be will be will, will be uh, uh, agreed uh, with the farmer. Um, we'll have a kind of a, a you know a set, you know an identified payment payment program, and and no will go through that. And then um, you know the thing will be mapped out in terms of us being able to see where everything goes. From our point of view, from the science point of view, it's very important so we can actually see okay what are we doing in the landscape, what's working, what's not working, and we can then tweak and adjust it. And the other thing is it would allow us as well deal with issues that might arise around, say, for example, natural 2000 sites, protected areas, archaeology areas. We will look after all of that stuff in terms of the project team so that the advisors are freed up just to do the walkover with the farmer and, and, and work through the solutions because it's a solutions-focused approach. We want to keep really tidy. We don't want to have extra paperwork here. We're trying to interface as much as we can with existing apps, etc. So we try and keep this very smart, very simple, um, and it's targeted. We'll be approaching the farmers. This won't be a big open call. I know I might talk about that in a minute. It'll be very much about, you know, identifying the areas that are at risk and then going through and supporting farmers to, to address what needs to get done um, in their enterprise. We will have this results-based element to it. 
it won't be as sophisticated as some of the ones in, in the, the acres cooperation area because we, it's not a results-based program as such, but there will be some kind of a payment uh, built in in terms of the efficacy of the measure. And as I mentioned there, whether there's a climate or biodiversity benefit as well, we, we build that on. So that's, that's a, it's, it's been, we're, we're, we're nearly there, we're working through it, but just to give you a flavour, this is the type of thinking. Uh, and we've been building on the learnings from, for example, the, uh, the, the Wild Atlantic Life Project and the Nature Project and, and other, other programs like the, the um, IRD, the Hollow um, uh, Farming for the Blue Dot EIP and, and also the, the Canon EIP down in Wexford as well. So um, we're looking for additionality as well, work with our collaborators and because DII, Dairy Industry Ireland, are partners in the project, you know, this is a great integrated approach you know working with the co-ops in terms of you know getting the industry support is really important in terms of you know encouraging people to get involved but more than that now now that the co-ops themselves are actually putting together their own water stewardship and um, uh, programs bonus programs payments for farmers the idea was would be if we can integrate the eip with those payments you get an extra benefit in terms of financial incentive for the farmer and also in terms of us, in terms of, of joining up the and, and reduce the bureaucracy. So this is an area that, you know, we we, we are looking at to try and maximise the benefit both for the environment and for, for the farmer, avoid confusion, encourage best practice, et cetera, and really demonstrate uh, true sustainability. Now, this is a, a European innovation uh, project. So there's a lot of kind of, uh, there's a lot of actions within that that we have to satisfy for, for the Commission, the, the European Commission are not just handing out money for the fun of it. We have to demonstrate that the money is going to be well spent and have it all structured. So the project will be looking after all that. But just to give you a flavour of, of, of what's involved in the background, so this, these things just don't happen. You have to put together you know, a good team, have a good structure. We're very lucky um, in Law Pro, we have uh, Tiberi County Council in the background who have a lot of experience in, in administering the financial side of it. So we'll be you know, leveraging that knowledge and then working with, with the ASAP program, with Chagas, with all the lads, you know, in the, in the co-op sustainability advisors and, um, and, and the broader community to try and do this. Um, and, you know, this is going to be adaptive management. We're going to be learning as we go along. And ultimately, this should inform policy, wider policy um, uh, with the departments. And the departments, both ag and housing, will be a part of the operation committee. So those learnings will be done in real time. So look... Some take-home messages before I pass on to, 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 to Noel. This is the largest EIP ever undertaken by the state. It's going to be a big, it's a big deal. It's a great opportunity. The idea is that we'll be advisor-led with the farmer, promoting water stewardship. So the idea is to help people figure out what can they do in their land. Rather than being told what to do, it's about you know learning on the ground what can we do. Every farmer is different. We know that every 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 challenge is different and, and the farmer knows best in terms of figuring out the solutions with that um, advi advice and with the, the background, of course, of the EPA maps and science. So we'll follow that, that catchment science principles, as I mentioned, targeted actions, focusing water quality, but bringing in those multiple benefits. As I said, this is all about the public good at the end of the day for everybody, including the local community. We'll be targeting all, all sections of, of our culture as much as possible. Um, and we aim to integrate with sustainability initiatives. We are also talking to Ishka Aaron, OPW, and also at the National um, um, Federation Group Water Schemes, et cetera, on this. We, we're very much about explaining the why. Why is this important for the public? We'll have a communications piece on that as well. Um, but it won't work unless we do have strong support from this industry and from the sectors, both in terms of the advisory um, services and also um, people on the ground. So, Pat, look, that's just me. I think I'll pass over to Noel if that's okay. I think uh, I hope I've left enough time there and all. Thanks. Okay, no, we're, we're good for time. Thanks, Fran. That was very clear. Uh, you might stop sharing there and allow Noel to, to share. 
just to remind you, the uh, question answers, if you have any questions to, to, to put them in there, we've a, a number of questions in there already. Noel, you look to be ready to go. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, I hope you can see the screen there okay. Um, so, yeah, look, at Fran, I suppose, give you a flavour for, for for where this came from and, and, and the kind of the high-level policy and, and and the thinking behind it and the reasoning for it. And I suppose what I'm going to just do is maybe get down to the bits of the nuts and bolts the nuts and bolts of 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 um how it's going to all work out but just before we do that some acknowledgements there in the bottom and fran fran acknowledged uh, people as well but I, I just want to put those names there but also from from the department of agriculture um both um jack nolan and ted massey played a big huge role in getting this over the line as, as well as colin byrne there in the department of housing so just to acknowledge uh, those three individuals as well uh so the presentation outline i'm just going to look at Eligibility for farmers and uh, what the application process is. Um, then verification and payment. So you know, some both of the of, of the scheme itself. Uh, the water EAP measures. So what are we what are we going to be looking to, to, to fund? Just give an example of, of how it might look for on a typical farm, and then just a wrap-up summary of the of the of the presentation. So uh, the water uh, EIP, the eligibility. So um, access will be, will be prioritised. We're going to have, a, we're going to have a, a prioritization on this, and farmers will be approached to make applications. So, as, as Fran said earlier on, you know, this isn't an open call for for like a, like an acres there where, where farmers come to us. It'll be the other way around. It'll be it'll be the EIP EIP going going to farmers, and that'll be based on 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 an eligibility criteria that I'll go through now in a second. Um, so farmers in the following areas will be potentially eligible to access funding. So we're looking at four different tiers. Um, so those are farms in cycle two and cycle three PAs that have already had an ASAP farm assessment. So ASAP would have visited these farms, identified areas where there's, there's issues uh, and mitigation actions and where those mitigation actions are yet to be implemented, which is which is uh, unfortunately the case, we'll be able to uh, provide some funding for those farms. So that's the restore water quality objective with the tier ones. So the tier two uh, farms in the cycle three, so the, the, the coming PAs that are going to be opening shortly once the, the third river based management plan has been uh, published. Um, so farms in those PAs are within a, a catchment that, that has a community led water quality initiative. So you're looking at you know, maybe um, Rivers Trusts or you're looking at um, National Federation Water Scheme kind of areas. Um, and these have a nutrient or sediment or pesticide issue as, as identified by the EPA or local authority. So this is a restore water quality objective as well. So that's the second tier farms. The third tier farms is very similar, except it's a protect water quality, fun quality function. So there's PAs out there that have a protect water quality function, as in they're not prioritized by the EPA as having a nutrient sediment or pesticide issue, but they still have a water, they're still in a PAA or they still have a community-led initiative. Those will be in tier three and they have a protect water quality function. So restores where we're trying to get water quality back up to good status. Protect is where we're trying to maintain it at good status or high status. And then tier four would be other farms outside of the above. And uh, so I suppose just, just to put it out there, um, this is for measures not covered by regulatory requirements. So these are additional measures or supplementary measures as they're called. Uh, so we're also obviously not going to be double funding here. So for farmers is, is an acres with a 
with a riparian margin, um, uh, the war VIP will not be funding it, the same riparian margin. So it's just important to note that no double funding is permitted. And the final thing is, is I suppose it, 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 this this is to get measures implemented on the ground. It's not a you know to bulk up an, an income line, and you know I know that that's part, that's not the it won't be seen that way. But it's just to put it out there that it's it's not an income support um, scheme. This is to actually fund specific measures that are going to do a specific job with regards to water quality. So the application process. So farms that are have already been assessed. So it's about nearly 4,000 or around 4,000 at this stage that have been assessed. So they'll be contacted and offer the opportunity to apply to the EIP. And then new farms, we'll to go past that because we're hoping to get 15,000 farms in it altogether. So new farms going forward, um, they'll have to be uh, selected based on scientific assessment. So this is all, this all has to be based on science. We can't just uh, start picking farms, uh, scattergun approach. It needs to be targeted, it needs to be based on local catchment assessments, it needs to be based on, on uh, death studies and information that will be compiled either by the likes of Law Pro or um, community schemes or community-based projects where they have a scientific basis for that. Because this is important because if we don't have that basic information around uh, the landscape and the pathways and all, all that kind of stuff, we won't know what the actual proper measures are. So we need to have that information so as we can uh, target the appropriate measures. So is it a nitrogen vulnerable area? Is it a phosphorus vulnerable area? Uh, what are the pathways and so on? So that, that, that science-based element has to be there to support the targeting of these measures. And then the farms uh, will be assessed along the lines of what we have from um, uh, the asset farm assessment as it happens at the minute. So we have a, we, we have a system for doing that uh, in order to generate the rainwater management plan that Fran was uh, showing you there. So it's the same process that we're using and then that'll be used to identify the mitigation action uh, and the appropriate mitigation action and where to locate it. The location is very important as well and we need to be able to capture that information as well. And then based on that, uh, we have a menu of options and with consultation with the farmer and the advisor, between, uh, we would select the suitable EIP measure and then that'll be submitted in for uh, into the EIP for assessment. So that's the application process. Uh, I suppose the next part of it is the very ver verification and payment part of it. So Law Pro would be, would be responsible for processing and payment. So Fran mentioned about the 50 million. The 50 million is, is, is the piece that I'm after going through a minute ago. The 10 million, is, this is for the administration of it. And this is this is the bit I'm going to look at here now. So the processing of an application will be done by law pro. So initial taking in of the, of the application and going through and the various checks that needs to be done on that. Then I suppose the, the next part is once the application is, is accepted, is that the farmer is given the green light to go ahead and put in the measures as per the plan and then the validation of that. So. Uh, how are those going to be validated? We're hoping to have this uh, very similar to what's currently going on with, with the acres and, uh, and AgriSnap, that you have a similar system that we'd be able to verify uh, through, through a system like that, that measures have gone in, particularly for physical features and things like that. Uh, there may be some need for some farms to be visited to be uh, to see that a measure has gone in, uh, but by and large, we'd be hoping that we can do it uh, via technology that's out there. Um, and then payment will issue for the EIP measure. We will also have a big role in reporting and all this. So we need to develop systems that can capture all this data and report it. Obviously, you know, when we're getting so much money. Uh, there has to be a, a strong level of oversight. 
and governance on this to make sure that the money is is going where it says it's supposed to be going, and obviously that that the farmers are implementing measures as as required. Um, our aim, I think Fran mentioned this as well, is to keep the administrative burden as low as possible. So that's both on the advisor, on the farmer, and on the uh, on the uh, processing part of it as well. But you'd appreciate that, you know, with that ambition, you're still going to have to have a certain amount of of of, uh, of uh, administration work and checks and so on to, to be done. But we do aim to keep that as low as possible and to use as much technology as possible that's out there to help uh, lessen that burden. Uh, with that in mind, uh, you know, we've had to undergo very rapid uh, development of new IT systems and we're, we're in the process of doing that. Um, but that is a that is a key. It's all brand new IT that we have to develop. Um, so you know that's in the process of being developed, and it's, it's taken it's taken time, but we're we're making good progress uh, at the same time. So, what are the EIP measures that we might be looking at? And these are just a flavour of them. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's just to give a flavour for what we might be looking at uh, with regards to EIP measures. So, I suppose I mentioned about having it based on on some sort of science or some sort of um, idea as to what the pressures are and. A big part of that would be using the existing information that's out there from the uh, e from the EPA, for example, with the with the PIP maps that they've generated, uh, and then they they've also have these uh, targeted measures maps. It's kind of a blue and a blue and an orange map that some some of you might be might be aware of. So that gives you a flavour for where we need to be targeting measures. So that'll be the kind of at least the 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 minimum requirement of information that would be required to help direct where we would go with measures. So I suppose I just turned on the the overland flow pathway uh, maps or layer on, on the on the EPA pit maps, and these can see you can see where the the overland flow pathways are, where water starts moving across, and we have our drainage network here, the purples and and oranges and the green lines. So the kind of measures that we might be looking at here is is um, hedgerows. So a hedgerow with a, on a low mound can be very effective in, in just trapping a little bit of water behind it, uh, particularly sediment filled water. Uh, and, and phosphorus filled water. So there'll be an overland flow pathway measure. Uh, that's part of that. will be one of the measures that we're pr proposing to fund. Another kind of uh, similar break the pathway or, or slow the flow measure is, is low earthen mounds or, or buns, where again, similar to the hedgerow, you just uh, you have a, have a mound that traps water behind it, detains it, lets the sediment settle out, lets the phosphorus settle out in the sediment, and then you know it, it will it will flow away over a period of time. So very good from uh, in, in high rainfall events, and we tend to be getting a lot more of those. Um, I suppose what's very important as well, and this is something that um, those of you are aware of, uh, Donald Daly would, would be very much in favour of these spatially targeted riparian margins or riparian buffer zones or riparian areas. And this is where you're you're, you're targeting specific areas to uh, to um, put in these uh, riparian margins with the with the view to. Break that flow pathway again, and to attenuate out uh, phosphorus and sediment out of the out of overland flow pathways. So this is your diffuse phosphorus um, issues primarily. And again, I suppose another kind of area that that's that we'll be looking to do uh, some funding for is, is around small wetland ponds uh, where they're suitable. Uh, and they will be small, and they won't be big massive ponds, but where they're suitable to to maybe they're retention of them as well, where they are already there in the landscape, but also then, you know, maybe putting in a, in a new one that, that might capture uh, sediment and, and water and, and help with biodiversity and greenhouse gases as well. Um, a lot of times we, we see when we're out uh, such volume of water and, and uh, you know, through drainage works up upstream, 
and the water is getting down through the catches much quicker. It's coming with much more energy. It's it's undermining and, and damaging riverbanks. So, you know, looking at riverbank supports or bank revetment kind of works um, where suitable uh, will, will be also be funded. And then you're looking at the management of critical source areas. So areas of the farm where you have, um, you know, critical source areas that need to be managed in a specific way at specific times of the year to ensure that we don't have, um, uh, you know, uh, slurry going out in a field that might flood uh, at, at the wrong period of time, that kind of thing. So we, we have measures for that. Also looking at uh, prevention of cattle livestock or cattle access to watercourses and uh, provision of, of complementary uh, or alternative drinking supplies as well. And then some light, light engineering works around the lines of, of culverts or bridges. Um, now, it's important to note that all these measures, uh, while we will fund them, we do need to make sure that they're in compliance with whatever environmental requirements are out there, be it an SACs or SPAs or, or that kind of a, a thing, and also plan permission uh, as well. So all those things would have to be boxes that have to be ticked before we can we can provide funding. So it's not a it's not a we won't be able to circumvent the the, the legislation that's out there already. Um we found it very difficult to come up with a nitrogen measure, a nitrogen reduction measure, because typically uh the they're nearly all uh, legislated for via the um, derogation. But what we will try and what we will put forward is, is uh, a method of reducing the nitrogen surplus in farms or improving your nitrogen use efficiencies. And you're looking at getting a baseline for uh, the current year or whatever year it is. And then you, you can take on a number of measures that will help reduce your overall nitrogen loading and, and improve your, your nitrogen use efficiency. So you're trying to reduce the headline figure of how much nitrogen is on the farm, the surplus on the farm to reduce that down. So the less nitrogen surplus is there, the less nitrogen that's available to be leached. And this is where we, we see very much working in conjunction with the co-ops, that this would be very much part of their um, sustainability bonuses. And, and, you know, I suppose you could even stitch in a results base there where, where the greater reduction, the greater the bonus something like that. So we're still in the very infancy of this uh, and discussing with co-ops as to how this might actually work. So other very other measures there, I'll run through them quickly. Obviously, uh, the cover catch crops and the tillage is, is very important in certain catchments, particularly from a nitrate leaching point of view. So we'll be looking at that. So it'll be similar to acres. Um, we're looking at pesticides, so sprays and, and sheep dipping is a problem in certain areas. So we, we'll have some measures there as well to help uh, farmers in, in, the, in those areas. And then, you know, water retention climate measures, um, Fran already mentioned those. So you're looking at swales and buns and uh, retention of water in, in, in streams and things like iron drainage work networks and things like that. Um, farm drain maintenance um, is a problem in certain areas, again, as well, where, where you know, over, over, over maintenance of farm drains is leading to excess sediment being lost. Uh, and then, you know, we'll, we'll have a look at trying to provide some uh, best practice guidance and funding for that as well. And believe it or not, there's far, far, plenty of farms out there that have are not in acres or not in uh, derogation that have never had soil samples or nutrient management plan done. So we'll provide some funding for soil samples, nutrient management planning where, where required. But also, um, while we have a good list there, there'll always be these bespoke measures that uh, very site specific and 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 are suitable for uh, maybe one off in a certain farm or certain location, and we will consider those uh, as for funding as well. 
And the funding range will be from 100% of the cost to a percentage of cost, depending on some of the things. So the more capital or the more costly ones, say, for example, the funding of a bridge or culvert, you know, we probably wouldn't be able to afford to give 100% of the cost there, but we would, we would, we would, come up percent, uh, we would look to fund a percentage of that cost. So very quickly, uh, we're running out of time here, but uh, just an example uh, that we might uh, put forward. So this is the same map as I showed you earlier on. So cattle access to 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 the stream uh, along this this side here is 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 causing a problem. So uh, we're going to fence off the watercourse and provide alternative drinking supply for the farmer. And then we have uh, widespread diffuse uh, water overland flow accessing the the stream along here and the strain along here. So we're going to put a, a three meter linear riparian margin along there. Um, we're going to have some spatially targeted riparian areas to uh, head off where we have uh, these overland flow pathways delivering, uh, delivering water and nutrients and sediment. And then this critical source area here, we're gonna have a pretty sort of source area management plan or, or field management for that. And a couple of, uh, a bit of a hedgerow, maybe 50 meters of a hedgerow and uh, 50 meters of a bond here to, uh, to trap and to divide and conquer that water flow coming down there. So that's just a kind of an example of what, what typically if it could be a farmer could, could decide to take on board. And then to put some costs with it, um, you know, your drinking points and stream fencing uh, is the issue. So you have your fencing of the water body and, and provision of alternative drink supplies. So you have your solar power drinking and, and uh, single strand electric fence uh, that comes to 365 meters in one unit. So you have your costs there. Pedals to overland flow is the issue. So you have your linear riparian margin. Uh, you have your spatially target riparian areas. Um, that's 0.2 of a hectare. Uh, you've got critical source area management, 1.8 hectares. Um, you have your hedgerow and your earthen bund. That's costs like that. So, you know, the costings, I suppose, these are indicative ones at the minute. Um, we haven't finalized. We're basing them primarily on other schemes like TAMs and acres that's out there um, and other uh, EIPs that have, have costings in there as well. So, as I said, these are just ind indicative at the minute, so don't go running off saying this is this. Th these are the finalised prices. Um, they're not. It's just uh, an, an indication of, of what what is out there for farmers. Um, so I suppose just to summarise and finish up, uh, we know that we're not meeting our water quality targets. Um, in ASAP, we see that the implementation of, of measures is the key to realising water quality improvements. While we're getting uh, very good uh, engagement by farmers, and farmers wanting to do measures. I suppose in certain cases, the blockage is, is the, you know, financial support for farmers to put these measures in. And this is why the EIP is there to help try and undo that blockage. Um, you know, so the, the, the provision of the funding is to address implement, implementation of supplementary measures. Uh, it's not for measures that are already uh, regulated. Um, we have to develop the IT system, as I mentioned earlier on, so that's ongoing. We hope to run a pilot of the EIP in late September, early October. This would be a very small pilot, but just to obviously try and iron out any teething problems that would be there. Uh, and we're hopeful to have a tentative rollout in early 2024. So that's that's me, Pat. Um, okay. Any questions, maybe, is, is the next thing? Is yeah, it? If you just stop sharing there, uh, there's a load of questions coming in, Sean. Uh, and I suppose if, if Fran would, would, would join us again, I suppose just one uh, thing just to, to, I think you've outlined and, and actually dealt with some of the questions that, are, that have been coming in. 
But uh, I, I suppose an EIP is a, a European Innovation Partnership. The innovation that's that's in this, uh, you might give us an idea of what is innovative about what we're what the the, the project is is proposing. Do that, Fran. Okay. Um, yeah, it doesn't. The scale of it to start with, in terms of of what it's trying to achieve at a, at a national level, um, the the approach in terms of the uh, the idea of the of the rainwater management plan, taking that that approach, it's an, it's a conceptual thing really, but it is a new way to um, to look at it, um, and it brings in. I mentioned already the climate thinking, so it's not just about looking at something in the static and the here and now. It's about trying to forecast as well and to get that thinking in there. So we're moving away from, let's say, just dealing with compliance issues to try and help people think about, you know, what's actually going on and, and, and the future proof what's going on. So that's one of the innovations in terms of just the, the philosophy of the project, let's say. Um, th- there's a number of different elements within the project that will, you know, that we didn't have time to get into. So, for example, the communications element w- will be um, very much part of trying to help move the, the national conversation around this. There's a lot of discussion, as you, as you well know, around, you know, the different sectors in terms of, you know, ambitions and meeting the EU requirements, et cetera, et cetera. This project attempts to bring it all back to kind of, you know, what's the real purpose here? Why are we trying to do this? Why is it important to protect water quality? So, you know, um, the communications will be building on the, I suppose, the local experience, the local element, and that's why we'll have people embedded within uh, um, um, community partnerships. We have, we'll have a, an expression for uh, an open call, um, asking community groups to to to, to apply to have um, a number of posts embedded within their community group. Like that could be anything from, say, for example, development companies. I, you know, I don't want to start naming uh, different groups. You know, trusts, whatever, catchment partnerships, or whatever shape or form. As long as they, you know, work through the, the in the principles of the project in terms of catchment science, we will have that um, uh, a flexibility for them to look at their, their local context. So it could be a source protection issue. It could be a, a you know a shellfish industry in terms of a, a coastal area. It could be you know a rare species, an iconic species that's you know a, a, an area is famous for. It could be, for example, say protecting spawn and beds for salmon or whatever. So that, you know, that has never been done before like that. And that'd be very much integrated into it. Another innovation is around the whole research community. So rather than uh, dipping into the 50 million, we felt, no, that's for farmers. That's trying to get the stuff done on the ground. And we want to keep it separate. Uh, So then how do we manage, you know, the the evaluation, the research, all that type of stuff. So because of a scale, it's a huge opportunity for the, uh, the research community to get involved. So we have over six research institutes have signed up to what we're calling the research hub. And the idea is to leverage um, funding that's out there through different funding streams, say, for example, through the EPA research grants, through the Department of Ag um, research, and then the international stuff like Horizon 2020, whatever, looking at, you know, nature-based solutions, looking at, uh, uh, I suppose, some of the stuff that the project will be doing right down to, you know, evaluation, some of the measures. So this is a question that we are concerned about is how do you evaluate the measures? You know, how do you prove it's working? At what level? DPA, if they're monitoring points at scale. But in terms of, of getting in there and, and into the, in, you know, into the, the deeper area, we could spend a huge amount of the budget just on doing research. We felt, no, that's not appropriate. We want to be smart about this, integrate what's going on. A lot of money has been spent by the public purse and you know inter- internationally that we can access to do this so that's a that's a huge piece as well 
The other element, of course, is, and I'll stop it with this one, is, is the industry. It's the first time ever that we've been able to reach out, you know, you know, dairy industry are really coming in, building in the sustainability plans around, the, you know, the bonus schemes, et cetera, and developing that. Here's a real opportunity, but also broaden it out, looking at the multiple benefits, bringing in the other areas of interest. So I mentioned the idea of complementarity. So the thinking is very much around that. So the learning of what's going on with the results-based programs, the burn and all that type of stuff, to bring that in where we can. But at the same time, these are targeted specific measures addressing, you know, stuff that's come through, for example, the, the ASAP program or whatever. So we're trying to blend the two and make it as efficient as possible. So on the IT side and as well, is to make it as as as, as streamlined as possible. So the cut out, you know, double form filling and all that type of stuff. And the other thing that we didn't mention is uh and Borbia. And Borbia have agreed to come in as as um on the operation committee. So again, to 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 integrate you know, what we're doing and inform the, the whole sustainability process. So, so first time ever, I suppose, to do it in the round and bring it into the various sectors right across ag, not just dairy, not just beef, not just tillage, but everybody in the round. So there's so no shortage of innovation. Yeah, I know we haven't even talked about some of the measures, but yeah. So <laughs> Don, a huge number of questions coming in there. Yeah, a lot of questions coming in the past. I suppose I'll, I'll start with Noel. Um, two parts to this question. Uh, are farmers being given enough time to improve water quality, I suppose, is the first part. And the second part, do you consider the level of investment now sufficient um, for the amount of work that needs to be achieved over the next number of years? Yeah, so I suppose uh, the first one there, uh, have they been given enough time? Um, I suppose, look, at if you if you look at uh, where we are with water quality, um, it, it was it was certainly there was there was a downward trend. It, it has stagnated now, or at least uh, it has stopped uh, declining. Um, but the reality is is that we have our targets uh, for twenty twenty seven of good status. Um, so time is running out. I suppose maybe is the best way of putting it. Whether they have enough time or not to to, to change it around is is a uh, is a good question. There are of course. Um, like times and things like that to consider when we when we when we look at uh you know improving water quality um a lot of the measures the regulatory measures are there for a long period of time and they've been strengthened uh quite significantly in the, in the recent past particularly for the derogation farmers and those areas so i suppose maybe the argument is is that maybe those haven't been given enough time to see how they have impacted particularly from a nitrate loss point of view and that's that's a fair argument but i suppose the thing about it is is is, is we're, we're running out of time and this needs this needs the urgency is is really really there, and I think you know it was reflected um, by the 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 C Commission or the European Commission decision there that uh, that they or when they gave the derogation that they they put a, a two year review with very stringent conditions that the EPA recently reported on and that we we unfortunately weren't able to to meet. So the EU certainly see this as as the time is up. We need to we need to start moving and moving very dramatically to get this. So I suppose you know it is a fair common farmers do need time to react, and it does take time for like times for water quality improve and so on. But I suppose uh, from from probably the EC and maybe other people's view, time is is very sharp now at this stage to get to get improvements. Uh, I forget what your second part your second question was there, Sean. I suppose the level of investment is it sufficient? You know, for the the amount of work that that needs to be done over the next number of years. Is that in relation to what we're providing in the EIP? Is it or, yeah. or is it in yeah? Look at what, what we're what we're trying to do is uh as I said, that the 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 costings that I showed there, look we're taking our lead off off TAMs, we're taking lead off acres, we're taking lead off other EIPs there. Um I suppose what we can see 
you know, what we can do is is we can we can certainly see uh, over time whether are are those measures underfunded or are they funded right? And if we feel that they're underfunded, we can look at those again and see can we can we uh, adjust those funding rates. But I suppose we're we do have ten million a year. Um, we're assuming or presuming around the three grand on average spend on a farm, uh, the typical farm from, from based on what we have from the ASAP. You know, you're looking at maybe three, three and a half thousand a year then on, on that kind of a spend. So we have to try and manage the costs. It's very difficult uh, to manage the costs on this one, and we're trying to manage them as best we can. Um, we, th- we feel that, that the costs are, are, are fair, they're reflective of, of what's out there. Um, I know inflation has, has gone through the roof, so maybe that might uh, might need to be adjusted slightly on the, on the back of that, but we, we are trying to give a fair uh, compensation to farmers to do these things. Yeah, the next question is, uh, Fran, the, the application process, you know, how long and are just... Yeah, see that rolling out, I suppose, over the over the next, you know, over a set period of time. You know, there's a huge amount of work to be achieved and, and, and mitigation measures to be put in place. But you know, how how quickly would we expect a turnaround in application? From a farmer? Yeah. Yeah. Um we haven't put an, an actual figure on it as such yet. We're still working through it because we have we're we're in discussions. Uh, we had a meeting yesterday actually to to look at a process flow on the IT side. There's a bit to this, but the plan will be to to to, to make it a, a fast turnaround. And um, I don't want to kind of you know uh, give you give you a stick that we're that you can be to beat us a bit later, but it will be. We're very much t- taking the approach of you know what is experience of advisors and farmers on the ground dealing with these types of schemes. So did, so this has been at the very front of the thinking before we even started was we're going, we want to do something that's very efficient. So so the idea and the hope will be that, you know, for example, the farm plan, they, uh, that could be agreed almost on the day with the farmer, with the walk around, you know, quick validation. And depending on what it is, depending on the measure, um, you know, the, 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 the payment will co- would come in very quickly. Some, as, as Noel mentioned, you know, would only require like a, a photograph of like a validation to, to prove that it's been done. There may be for the more sophisticated measures a need for a, for, for a visit, but it would be it would be quick and hopefully quicker than, than than the average schemes. But we have to remember this is a big scheme. It's fif- the plan, the ambition is up to 15,000. So we have to manage that on the you know, from the point of view of the project management side. So I don't want to give it a, a, a set time frame, but as quick as possible, I guess, is what we're trying to do. And we, we're very conscious of this to try and get it right. Yeah, two questions now. I'll group them together. You can, you can decide which one wants to answer. But uh, rented land, will rented land be uh, eligible for, for uh, payment under the, the IP? And also, you know, if... if, if you, if a farm puts in uh, a physical feature such as a sediment pond or just a pond, you know, going forward, will there be a payment made for that physical feature on an annual basis, basically? Right. Um, I'll have a go at this one. So, um, yeah, is the answer to the rented ground because that was one of the barriers that was identified for measures not going in. Um, obviously, that's will need the uh, agreement of the 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 landlord for one better way of putting it you know so if a farmer wants has rented a bit of ground and he's he's happy to put in uh, exclude livestock from a from a, a water course and put in an alternative drinking supply and the the farm the landowner is happy well then yeah we're happy to, to fund that and um 
Jesus, uh, what was the, 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 yeah. the pawns, you know? Oh yeah, the retention of them. Yeah, look, the scheme is there for for until for five years. So I mean, we won't have funds after that, you know. So I suppose we we'll fund for 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 the period of time that we can fund, but after that, we won't we won't be able to obviously. Yeah, yeah. There's a question around there on um, you know a lot of the mitigation measures were you know were heavily focused on surface pathways and you know stopping the, the flow of the pathways and so on are there and are there any specific measures uh for subsurface pathways i know you touched on it Noel, there with you know the nitrous leaching and the you know, reduction of, of um yeah. environments but are, are there any specific for that yeah i suppose the the easier ones to, to do something with is 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 the phosphorus is the overland flow pathways and like you have a physical barrier they're, they're much easier to um verify and to pay for because they're they're physical you can see them they're there or they're not kind of thing um, i suppose with with the the, the subsurface so you're probably looking at nitrate leaching so you know we have from a tillage point of view we have the cover and catch crops ones and then we're we're looking to try and and source control. I suppose is is a phrase we're trying to reduce the 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 source um, loading of nitrogen on these nitrogen risky lands. Um, but you know, going beyond that, you're probably into you know um, denitrification barriers and things like that. And uh, I suppose that's when it starts getting complicated. I'm not sure we have enough. Uh, knowledge and and um resources within the ip to be able to administer for those and and to and to judge how effective they are and whether they're in in right and and uh where they should go and the locations and all that kind of thing so i suppose we we've 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 gone more so for the for the break the pathway physical ones uh for phosphorus and sediment um the nitrogen one as i said was was we were finding it quite difficult to come up with nitrogen measures uh, apart from primarily the tillage, cash crops, cover crops, and and trying to reduce the source uh, loading on on vulnerable areas, and and that's kind of as far as we're probably going to go with with those ones, you know. Noel, there's a there's a question there uh, about the efficiency and and I suppose the the possibility under the scheme of of a group of farmers coming together in the EIP is that something that will be considered, or is it is it just uh, for individual farmers? Um, well, look at if, if, if you, if, you know, we'd often get the, I'm sure people have often heard, you know, I've my side of the river finced off and the farm on the other side hasn't his side of the river finced off and sure, what's the point, you know, his cattle are going in and, and mine are out. So I think, you know, from, if we could get, uh, that community farmer, uh, buy-in to implement measures like that, it'd be much more effective and much better. And like, I suppose... Fran kind of touched on it there a little bit. Um, you're looking at kind of a community based thing where you're you're saying, right, we have a river here, lads, and there used to be trout in it when I was a young lad, and now they're all gone. And maybe we we'll try and do something about it. Uh, we'll all club together, we'll all do whatever the appropriate measures are that we can get funding through the EIP, and hopefully we'll see um see benefits to that. So look at we would certainly encourage that. And and do our best to facilitate that and to and to help along with that, you know. So you know, certainly things like the the, the fencing off and you know a solar power drinker, you know, you're certainly not going to give ten lads along the line solar power drinkers. So you're you're probably looking at maybe one between three or four or whatever the sizing might might allow you for. Uh, so I suppose that's that's kind of where we would we would encourage uh, groups of farmers to come together that we could 
uh, put in measures that would have scale has bigger effect, obviously, than individuals. So if you could get scale, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, maybe a question there, Fran, on um, the success of the you know of the EIP and, and so on. You touched on it earlier. You know, how will that be monitored, or you know, will there be an inspection element in departments, or or you know, how will that roll out? Well, because it's a European innovation project, there will have to be um, an audit done anyhow, just in terms of of making sure the money's been appropriately spent. So that will happen. That that will be a requirement. Um, so, you know, we have to make sure that we satisfy the EU rules. Um, but within the project itself, yeah, I mean, the, the, the project team, let's say if the, the advisors that we've taken on by the project team will have half, the, we reckon half the number of farms to visit because half their time is going to be taken up with um, doing that validation um, to making sure that, that things are working um, uh, as well as doing, uh, you know, make sure we don't, you know, uh, that we take into account natural 2000 sites and the other, let's say, protected area requirements and that. But yeah, there will be, you know, that'll be built into, into the project. Um, and that's, you know, that's the research hub I mentioned already. And um, th- that will look into some of that in terms of uh, the more sophisticated uh, um, ass- assessments. But um, a lot of the actual, you know, in terms of at the farm scale, it will be about, you know, uh, being able to demonstrate that that the that the uh, the measure has gone in, has gone in appropriately, um, and then, you know, I mean, the, the overall ambition will be that this project will be working in in, in partnership with all the other, uh, I suppose, moving parts of the Water Framework Directive. That you know, uh, in terms of managing our landscapes. Ultimately, the EPA monitoring points are the ultimate arbitrator, and, and this in, in terms of the of the assessment. But yeah, we will be doing it at a more fine scale. There's a a, a a comment in here. I noticed that county councils do not appear to be included. You may that's not it, have explained it. what Law Pro is, but there's also, I suppose, the question of of working actively with with the lo- with the local councils as part of the project. You might deal with that, Frank, a friend. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a good. It's a very good question, and 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 sometimes we do find, you know, runoff from roads causing you know challenges for farmers in terms of their drains and stuff getting blown out. So we are conscious of that, and going forward with climate change, you know, we're going to see more of this. So, uh, runoff from hard surfaces, whether it's a road or a car park or a building, is, is something that we're very conscious of. So, yeah, Pat, as I say, look, you know, the local authority, what we are. A local authority service, um, but you know we're unique in that we engage with all sectors, and that's very much what what we're about. So the learnings, we're like the helicopter that flies over Ireland and goes, okay, you know, where can we, you know, address the different issues? So the learnings that we take from the urban, we apply to the rural and, and vice versa. So it's really good. But specifically on the roads, and that there is, it is an area that we're working on, and we are working with the local authorities uh, on this. Uh, we've got a, a nature-based solutions initiative that the Department of Housing are leading, and we're support, supporting that. And at the moment, the local, the local authorities are put, putting together their local air, local authority um, climate action plans. And within those plans, you know, uh, planning for climate change, resilience, drought, floods, etc. That's pretty much part of that. So we're in there. We're, we're part of that conversation. So we're going to have to start looking at our, our, our tertiary roads or, or you know, primary routes, etc. Not just our motorways in terms of how we manage water. So, so yeah, you know, so it's great to see the, you know, that we have so many different disciplines working together. Um, so we can kind of, you know, I suppose, uh, uh, learn from each other and share experiences. But yeah, we we are very mindful of that, and we and we and we are engaging, you know, at the appropriate, you know, um, level, including with the Department of Transport on this, you know. Okay, I'm sorry, we're going to have to go. We we have a a lot more questions, but uh, we, our our time is up. So I'd like to thank Noel, 
uh, Fran and and Sean. Ash, could I just before yeah, sorry, I close off? Ahead. Sorry, we will be recruiting. Sorry, just just to say to people, we will oh, be recruiting posts for the project team. So if, you know, so we will have another post from uh, 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 the DIT side communications, but also the advisory side. Uh, in, t- in terms of, you know, they, they'd be very exciting positions. I better do this out here. These would be really good. Working with a really nice team, Lawbro and and and, and Asap and Noel and all the guys. We're all, you know, all very nice people. Um, great work environment. Uh, and it's a very exciting space. So, look, we will be recruiting. So just keep an eye on jobs.ie or, or just reach out to us if you are interested. And if you are involved in community groups, whatever, again, we will be doing that expression of interesting as a call. And look, I would just say, you know, if, if you don't mind, Pat, you know, I'm like a broken record on this. What's this about? Why are we doing it? It's about water quality for everybody. So you can look at it. It doesn't matter where you come from. But at the end of the day, you know, you know, humans are intelligent. We 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 can do this if we all work together. So I just want to finish, if you don't mind, on that path. Thanks. Okay. Thank thank you very much. As I think in in whatever number of episodes we've had, that's the first commercial break we've had. Uh, <laughs> uh, next week we'll be joined by by uh, our, our colleagues from the uh, farming from Rack Rack EIP on preserving the past and protecting the future. And it'll be uh, Dr. Daniel Curley and uh, Richie Farrell will, will be joining us. Uh, so thank you very much. Hopefully we'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagisk Signpost series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagisk.ie. And you can also rate, review and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson and thanks for listening.